to That's Orgasmic. You are joined by your host, sexologist Emily Duncan. And today I'm joined with Talison Switch, who is a BDSM facilitator, kink and sexuality educator, and sex worker who specializes in queer exploration. They consider themselves an academic practitioner and inform their work and teaching in both evidence-based practice and lived experience. So welcome to That's Orgasmic. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. Yes, I'm so excited too. I'm so excited <laughs> about what we're going to discuss today. I first am just really interested. So like how and like why did you get into this work? Mm. Oh, the, the, the $100 question I get asked every other week. <laughs> so it honestly was something that from like a really early age, as soon as I basically learned what a dominatrix was, I was like, that's really cool. Wouldn't that be a fun little job? Because um, I kind of like from the age of like infancy, I was wanting to be an actor. Um, mm-hmm. I studied acting for about 10 years. I was like, yeah, doing a lot of stage stuff. I've been like on pad ads. Um, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in that world. And um, when I, that was always the thing that I was like, I'm going to be doing this. Um, and then it was always like in the back of my head as like a running joke um, that, you know, if this doesn't work out, I'll just be a sex worker. I'll just go be a BDSM facilitator. I'll go be a dominatrix um, to the point where like I had teachers in when I was doing uh, a certificate or something where we had to literally talk about our backup plans. Um, and he was like, you can't write a thing about being a dominatrix. And I was like, why not? That's my backup plan. And it kind of just became a thing where the more I thought about it and the more I looked into it I was like this is really really cool um and I did have a very glamorized view of it um and then when I when COVID pretty much hit um I started like an OnlyFans and like doing that sort of like online work and online domination um and sort of the more I did it the more I enjoyed it and then I had a bit of a complete change in worldview in terms of my career and where it was going like during COVID um, and while I still love and enjoy acting it's always going to be a part of me I can't see it being a career for me just because you need money to live and actors notoriously mm-hmm. don't have that um, so then I was like okay I'm going to go keep sort of seeing where this sort of OnlyFans and content creation is going and then after COVID I was reached out to by some people like sex workers in the area that were like hey our dungeon is looking for people would you like to come hang out in our dungeon and I was like please and I've just been going with that ever since and absolutely loving it it's been really good as well because I've been studying um like counseling and psychotherapy on the side um yeah yeah, it's been something that's always been in the back of my head and only in the last couple years something that I was like yeah this is actually really cool and enjoyable Oh, cool. I love that that was your backup plan. Like, yeah, honestly, a terrible, that. a terrible black backup plan because I just went from one gig economy job to another gig economy job um, that yeah. honestly required more work and more effort. I can absolutely <laughs> uh, imagine. But yeah, for some reason it was just, yeah, like I can name like the documentary that I watched that made me be like, oh, that's really cool. Um, cause yeah, it's just something in my little brain just ticked when I watched like this cool leather cat clad, like dominatrix. And I was like, 
I think it was also just me being really queer and being like, wow, hot lady in leather. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. But sometimes it literally is just like this one thing that you probably don't even think too much of at the time. It just does this little switch. And then you're Mm. like, oh, I'm interested. That was like um, the first thing I remember like, being interested in like sex therapy watching meet the fuckers and the like mm. the mum is the or the grandma is like a sex therapist and I remember just being fascinated I was like that is so cool and I'm like yeah mm. 100% there was just that little thing then and then obviously like it just falls into place and then it just happens sometimes it's just meant to be right it's it's wild how just little little domino effects yeah, a hundred percent. Now I would love to talk about like queer identity with you. And I am constantly asked by friends, even as a sexologist, like how people can explore their queer identity more. And I'm just, yeah, really curious in your work, how, like, how can we support people um, with like sex work um, and mm. in their queer identity? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's one of those things where it's like how long is a piece of string? Like there's just so many different elements. Um, What I found most in my work, especially because I have sessions specifically that I've developed for queer people, um, and some of the things that I've noticed just in people reaching out to me and talking to me are like when it comes to seeing a sex worker, there's already an inherent sort of difference in the way that that interaction and that intimacy is going to feel and be. Um, and a lot of people I've noticed throughout like, you know, high school and that sort of like early 20s is where a lot of people are exploring their sexuality, right? But a lot of queer people are trying to figure out themselves Um, and some people are exploring their sexuality at the time but a lot of people also aren't um, because they're too focused on themselves or it's not safe for them to do so so then you hit this sort of more adulthood where everyone around you is like yeah I know what I'm doing and then you're there going oh fuck uh oh no and then that can cause a lot of really high pressure situations when you are hooking up with someone or like entering a relationship with someone and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Even that thing of like, oh yeah, I know how to have sex with someone that I don't know what I want sex to feel like or what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So as soon as someone goes, Hey, what do you want? You freeze. And you're like, I don't know. Like I had that. um, Like I've had that experience. So many people that I know have had that experience. It's almost like universal for queer people to have that moment of like not knowing what the fuck you're doing. And I find that from my experiences in my work and from just feedback I've gotten, having a situation where it's completely okay to not know what you're doing and like a sex, it's a lot, there's like a power I'm trying to figure out how to describe this in the like most efficient way it's it's almost like not a power imbalance but there's less of an idea of reciprocalness or it's more focused on like whoever the client you know on them rather than like this sort of reciprocal intimate exchange which absolutely it can be but it's not inherently so where a lot of hookups and a lot of sex you know in that you're not paying for is a lot more reciprocal generally. Um, so I found that that's a very good low pressure way for people mm. to be like, I don't know what I want to do. You have sex a lot. 
you tell me what we should maybe do. Can you give me some suggestions? This is what I want to do. Or having that thing of like not worrying so much about the other person because um, like for me, and I, I tell people this straight up, I'm like, this is my job, right? If you want to make me do a cum, amazing. I won't say no to a cheeky little orgasm, but you don't have to. If you want to try and learn because that's what you want to do today, amazing, absolutely. But if you want me to focus on you and your pleasure and you figuring out how to communicate what you want, we can spend the entire time doing that. I'm not stressed. Um, Whereas that might not be something that people are comfortable in exploring in a non-sort of paying situation. Um, And also I feel like another thing that I've, found the way like seeing a sex worker is a really good way to explore is because sex workers are really good at just bluntly going okay cool what do you want to do today what do you want like often a bit more sexily but like what do you want to explore and kind of help if you don't know kind of help you figure it out um and Mm -hmm. that's what I do a lot in my queer sessions especially of people will tell me what they might want um especially like say trans people um, I've worked with a lot of trans people who experience like really bad dysphoria around sex and not knowing what they want to do or what feels good because they just get like hit with a wave of dysphoria every time they try so kind of me turning around with someone who is also trans but also has an understanding of I have like a like having a little toolkit to be able to go, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. How does this feel? Um, so you can kind of walk in and go, this is what I kind of want. These are my hurdles. Can you help? And sex workers are very good at also telling you to piss off if they're not going to be able to help. Um, mm-hmm. We're very, very good at boundaries and we're very, very good at telling you what we can and can't do, um, which I feel is very important when you're exploring for the first time being able to trust the other person to assert their boundaries yeah absolutely yeah. there was literally there's so much so much in all of that and yeah so- that was a bit of a ramp <laughs> that was such a ramble there oh my I, I told you I'm I I talk like a bulldozer sometimes <laughs> no but it was amazing I think one thing that really stood out to me was this pressure to perform and mm. I know myself as a queer person, the first time having sex with a vulva owner, I was terrified. I was right? like, <laughs> I have a vulva, therefore I need to know what I'm doing. Like, I feel mm. like there was just this like heightened expectation that I should just know what to do right? because I have one myself. Uh-huh. And I was just, I remember I was terrified. I was so mm. terrified. Um, And it's still something that it's so different with every person, which is just sex in general. Mm, But then when you add this like added layer of feeling, I guess maybe inexperienced or inadequate Mm -hmm. or not queer enough, it can just be so daunting. So having an environment that I feel like you have somebody who is there for you to support you, that's Mm. not going to judge you would feel so like, it would feel so good and just take that added pressure off yeah a hundred percent there's also that thing of um I've I've had this a lot of people I've had this with a lot of people myself like I'm a hundred percent guilty of this um yeah my first sort of few times having sex with vulva owners and people in general I was like I don't know what I'm doing I'm gonna focus all my attention on you and figure it out 
Um, but then as soon as anyone was like, cool, what do you want me to do for you? I'd go, ha I don't know. Just ignore me. It's fine. I'm just the top. It's, I, you don't need, I don't need to do anything. I'm a top. Um, and like one of my partners that, you know, I sleep with very regularly at the moment, um, only in the last six months have we been able to be a bit more reciprocal because um, I'm always that that bitch that's like, use your words, tell me what you want. And then they've gotten really good at it. And then they've turned it on to me going, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the turns have tabled. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, I have to use my words? And, like, that's the thing where people think because I'm a sex worker and because I do all this that, like, I've got it all sorted. I absolutely don't. So I think there's those two ends of not knowing what to do with other people that pressure to be good with the other person but then also there's a pressure to be able to go yeah I want you to do this please when you half the time don't even have any idea what you want you just want maybe you don't even know what it is Uh, I 100% agree even the first time I had sex with Volvo owner I like took control did everything then turned around like all right your turn I was like nope I was like, we're done now. We're done. I was like, it was just, I just couldn't, I couldn't Mm. do it. I don't know. It was just one of those moments where I was just like, no, I will do everything for you. We'll leave it there. And also like, I have the exact same experience of like, I'm so big on every single person. Like, what are your boundaries? What do you like? What do you Mm. not like? And the amount of people that just like, look at you like a stunned mullet, like, what do you mean? Like, Mm. and then they throw it back onto me and I'm like, shit, what do I actually like? Get out of this. Like, you know, I want you to tell me everything, but obviously then they just expect that I'm going to be all over that too, Um, Mm. which I definitely have to work on as well. (laughs) Oh, that's, yeah. Oh, such a mood. I feel that in my soul. Yeah. Um, One thing that also interests me in what you had said before was about the like gender dysphoria for like trans people when having sex, which I think is a big issue. And it's something I actually haven't touched on on the podcast. Mm. This is probably going to be a really big question, hard to answer because it's different for everybody. But are Mm. there any common ways that you would address that or like explore different ways to have sex to maybe affirm um, gender? Mm. Yeah, big question. Um, And one I'm probably going to ramble on forever about. Um, So... First things is addressing what is the actual thing that is people are dysphoric about, right? So different sort of styles of dysphoria. You've got body dysphoria, social dysphoria. Um, Like, for example, some people are completely non-dysphoric about, like, their genitals but are really dysphoric about, like, their voice or maybe just how they are perceived. Um, Like, they might be totally fine with their body, but if they feel that they are being perceived in a certain way, that can cause dysphoria. Um, and so the first thing is figuring out what actually are the dysphoric things and then kind of tackling those. So common things you don't know, like, you know, turning the lights off if there are mirrors covering those. So that way, um, if there's like body dysphoria, you're not sort of being confronted with like body that doesn't match what you're feeling. Um, you know, figuring out what words you like to be called, what things are completely off limits. Um, and even like different things of like different sensations and different ways of interacting with different body parts. Um, so there's a very like heteronormative, cisnormative idea of like, all right, here is this genital. This is what how you stimulate this genital, which is, you know, very 
like sure maybe that's how the 80 percent of people enjoy this the vague sort of emotions but you know what about what's that other sort of percentage there what are other ways you can interact with it um you know like you can yeah it's just kind of figuring out what people might it's it's so interesting because it, because it is so big. I'm trying to figure out how to give vague enough answers that will be mm-hmm. useful to a, a majority, like a more a larger amount of people. Um, like for example, like you know, vibrators for all gender build types. Um, you know, sort and you know, a common uh, joke among a lot of my trans girlfriends is just like, you know, you got to get that power tool that like Hitachi, that big fuck off vibrator. Um, you know use that and like you're good um you know don't stroke don't like fondle just get a vibrate and go whack um <laughs> you know that sort of thing like um I in my little kit for my queer explorations I have like strap-ons that either like you know I can wear on people you know, if they want to be penetrated but also I open up for people to just wear them if they might have bottom dysphoria um around like you know wanting to sort of like have a penis or something well then I'm like cool you can wear a strap-on we can interact, you can wear that, even if we don't do anything with it, like if that, and that is something that I actually found for myself. Um, cause I'm non-binary and I was always like, I don't really have bottom dysphoria. But then when I've like had sex, like even just wearing a strap on, I was like, wow, this feels different. This feels more better for me. Why? Um, so I think, yeah, finding stuff like that is really useful um, and really yeah, figure out what, yeah, words, visuals, um, sounds. Um, some people find like the sounds that are made, like, you know, if something is like particularly wet or whatever, be like, oh, no, that sounds bad. So, you know, implementing music to cover that up, et cetera. Um, you know, you can keep clothes on. Um, yeah, there's so many different ways. I think it's just like rethinking like how you have sex, I think is the biggest thing. Um kind of breaking down that idea of like, ah, to have sex, you must be naked. You must be in a bed. Something must be going in a hole. You know, you can really mm-hmm. just rethink all those things. I've been like, well, do I want to be naked? Do I want a thing to go in a hole? Do I want this thing to be touched? Do I, like all these different things, just kind of, yeah, figuring out what is causing the problem and then kind of working from there, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. No, that absolutely makes sense. I knew that was going to be a really big, hard question to answer, but I think it was, yeah, important to touch on because mm. there are a lot of people who will experience that and probably not know where where to start or mm. how to how to go about that. So I guess knowing that they also can go to like a sex worker to explore those things in a yeah. safe space um, mm. and that you do have the knowledge and tools because, you know, having obviously worked with other trans people, how mm. to navigate, how to navigate that. I am also like really interested to know like what are some of the issues that face the queer community when it comes to actually accessing sex work? Mm. Um, so I think one of the big things that comes up is finding a worker who A, is queer friendly, uh, which often is actually surprisingly, unsurprisingly really, um, as a large number of sex workers are queer friendly, but they're not really advertising for it because there's an assumption that you know the people that we are advertising to uh you know cisgender heterosexual men um so often even even when sex workers are like yeah I see people of every gender so much of the advertising is for men 
where they can make it really, really hard for someone who doesn't fit into that very narrow bracket to feel comfortable to reach out, um, which is absolutely something I feel like sex workers need to work on. I personally, like when I, especially when I was really diving headfirst into getting my queer sessions up and running, like going through all my advertising and get rid of anything that could be gendered. Um, and there's also that thing of like, even if uh, sex workers are like, you know, queer friendly, which I would say 80% are, um, especially this is more so for trans people um, or like gender diverse people than like other, like more people who want to explore like sexual identity. Um, finding a sex worker who understands trans bodies can be very difficult um, because trans bodies, you know, there is a lot to work with, like dysphoria, but also if you're on hormones, that's going to change how you enjoy things. Um, and so that can, that can be a struggle. And that's where, you know, unfortunately, there is a lot of legwork there for people wanting to see a sex worker to um go to that worker and go hi I am a trans are you confident with trans bodies um which yeah but there are trans workers as well which you know kind of there is an assumption there but again not every trans person every just because you got it don't mean you know it um Mm -hmm. so there's sort of those things as well as you know when you look at you know statistically queer people are often um, you know, socioeconomically at a disadvantage, which and sex work is a luxury, so often will cost a fair amount of money. Um, so the pricing can be a big barrier. Um, and yeah, just the industry itself, there is such a large assumption of the types of clientele that can make it really hard. Even like I found, you know, I've had to like chew the ear off um, like the managers because I work out of like a um, licensed brothel just because for me, like I feel a lot more safer in an environment like that. I've had to chew the ear off the managers um, when like I've had a client coming in and I'm like, this client uses she, her pronouns. If you call my client he, I'm going to jump over this desk and hit you over their head with a like 10 inch dildo. Like absolutely do not. And like, you know, because there is such an assumption there of people's like who they are going to be when they walk through the door that can make it really daunting for queer people as well as like you know you've got if you don't know the space as well like there are some like brothels and all that if you're going into a brothel space um that have like lounge setups um mine doesn't like we have like a very like private sort of like interview sort of style like confessional booth like room where you sit like and chat but some places, like, when you want to chat to a sex worker, like, you're in a lounge with other clients. And, like, that's horrifying to me just in general. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, terrible. Um, like, yeah, there's just, like, I think it's a mix of, like, making sure that your person knows their shit and then also make the industry itself can be so daunting and overwhelming. That makes it difficult for people to kind of jump in. Like, I've, like before I started sex work I've like I've been a client um and oh my god I was absolutely shitting pissing and vomiting and oh my god all the bodily fluids I was terrified and like they were super lovely and super amazing um but yeah like it's very daunting which I'm slowly hoping like doing as much as I can to sort of chip that away and like you know that's where I think sex workers if there's any sex workers out there listening who want to like make their space more queer friendly like actively like 
talk about queer shit. Like, you're not going to scare your, like, cishet men away. They don't care. If anything, they're going to think it's a little hot that you see women mm-hmm. or, like, like you know, they're not going to care. So by actively just going, like, yes, I see people with X, Y, Z, da 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 Like, it can just make such an enormous difference. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, like, so I think the more people, and I feel like there is slowly a shift happening in the industry as people get more and more comfortable with queer identity. Like, I've been noticing it. Um, just like watching the people around me, how they shift and grow and, you know, there is a shift that's happening very slowly to be more accommodating. Um, and yeah, I could absolutely talk about this for another three hours uh, if you let me. <laughs> yeah, but it's good that there is this shift happening because I think it's really, mm. really important because there are so many queer people in our community and like they need the access to this just as much as everybody else. Um, and I can also imagine how daunting it would be going to see a sex worker for the first time. So it's amazing that we're able to have these conversations mm. to hopefully break down some of that, the fear and I guess any like assumptions and things they mm. have to make it a bit more of a like, um, yeah, just I guess less daunting experience. Because um, yeah, I can, yeah, I can only imagine like I haven't seen a sex worker personally but I know that if I did, I would still be probably shitting myself. It's mm-hmm. like, I guess that's the same as like maybe having sex with somebody for the first time. Say if it's just like a hookup yeah. or a dating app, it's still scary reading somebody for the first time and being intimate. Right. Like, yeah, I've had it where people like walk into the room, like, okay, cool. How are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm a little nervous. I'm sorry. And I'm like, we're strangers. We're strangers. We haven't met before. Of course you're nervous. Uh, like that's so to be expected. And like, yeah and that's another thing as well where if people like I found it like I've helped friends contact sex workers because they're like you know you're a sex worker help me write the email so that way I can be the best client and not be terrible in my inquiry I'm like cool here here you go and they're like oh no and I'm like I can almost guarantee you especially if like you have been a good client in your inquiry and all that um the person on the other end like the worker is also there sitting waiting for you to arrive going oh my god okay I'm gonna do good I'm gonna be a good I'm gonna be a good sex worker I'm gonna do well like like my first queer um experience session that I ever had I was in the staff room like shaking like a leaf like I myself was like terrified that I was gonna mess it up um and like once we got in the room it was amazing but like yeah oftentimes the person on the other end is just as nervous because we are you know human beings as well mm-hmm. so like that Absolutely. I feel like that's a good thing to remind yourself of just being like this isn't just like a sex vending machine this is another person who is sitting here going oh my god I hope I do good I hope yeah, I can absolutely. do it well <laughs> Um, do you have, because I have listeners like all over the world, do you have mm. any tips for people searching for like either a queer sex worker or somebody who can support their queer identity in like a safe and inclusive space? Um, I would say at this at this moment in time, uh, we don't know how things are going to go in the next couple months with Twitter, but Twitter is where a lot of sex workers live. Um, it's one of the few social media sites where we can. Um, that and Reddit, I don't know how Reddit goes for in-person stuff that's more online um but twitter is a good place of just like searching up sort of like queer sex workers um you know bi sex workers trans sex workers etc so on um there's also a lot of really good uh sites scarlet blue is one of the biggest ones however i have issues with even though i'm on there i have issues with how they run their business uh but i won't go into that Scarlet blue is a really good one um really good ones i think this is more australian based i'm trying to 
keep it broad enough for worldwide. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of directors like Trist, um, uh, Dakota Dice, and all these sort of sites where you can search up. And a lot of these newer um, directories for escorts and sex workers um, will actually have, like, gender, does see queer people, sees people of X, Y, Z, um, which is a really good tool that's getting more and more implemented. But also, honestly, Googling, just being, like, queer sex workers or, like, you know, depending on if, you know, you are a, you know, a vulva owner or, like, a person who is trans or, you know, whatever, being, like, sex worker who sees X, Y, Z, um, just Googling that and in your area and that will help show up um, and reaching out. And even if someone doesn't, if you get, if you get queer vibes from their photos and from their profile, they are probably queer. Um, mm -hmm. And if they're not, you can always ask. Like, again, sex workers are really good at, if you go, hey, I am X, Y, Z, would you be interested in a session exploring ABC? They were very good at going, no, no, I can't help you with that. But I know my friend over here can help you, et cetera, so on. So I think, yeah, Google is on a, Google social media and then just asking, I think, mm -hmm. are the biggest, easiest ways and the most worldwide sort of ways. It's a bit like, yeah, I could tell you I could tell you about Australia and Victoria in much more detail than I could worldwide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the important thing there, too, is like just asking like mm. there is no harm in harm in asking exactly. somebody and then you know straight away where mm. their boundaries are if, if you can access that um yeah like the uh, worst no, case it's going to happen is they're just going to go no like that's the absolute exactly. worst case no one's going to judge exactly. you for asking something like yeah no absolutely and generally there's going to be somebody out there who is going to be able to support you whether that's online or in person there's going to be somebody somebody there a hundred percent yeah, awesome. Is there anything else with like this topic with queer identity and exploring that? That um, anything else you want to add on it or talk about? Oh my goodness, I'm trying to be aware of the time as well. I'm like, oh, there's so much I could talk on. Um, oh gosh, I can't think of anything new. But just like, yeah, just I want to reiterate that you know you're always welcome to just ask people. Um, and yeah, I think I think. Communication is key. So oh, I'm trying to not go down rabbit holes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, my brain is going like, talk about this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't have the time. Um, yeah. I think it's just the biggest thing. And being aware of like, even it's so interesting. Like, I think a big point here is like the industry seems so cishet normative, which it is in its advertising and, you know, but the actual people who make up the industry, the actual workers themselves. Honestly, when I meet another sex worker, my inherent assumption, like I'm like, ah, clear until proven otherwise. Um, <laughs> and often like disabled until proven otherwise as well. Like the sex worker community is absolutely chock-a-block full of amazing queer people and amazing disabled people because again, like that's a whole rabbit hole. But <laughs> Like again, like yeah, I would say like yeah, eighty to ninety percent of the people in the in in the industry who are actually out there working are queer. So yeah, if you are looking for people, um, you know, to see as a client, you know, just know that a majority of the people that you're looking at, even though they seem that they are appealing more to that sort of like heteronormative male gaze, they're they're probably a sneaky little queer as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Now, where can my listeners find you? 
Sweet. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Talison Switch. Um, I've also got a little website, talisonswitch.com. Uh, and also for those in Melbourne, I'm very excited in January. Uh, I can't remember the exact date, but I think it's in the second last week of January. I am going to be uh, hosting and facilitating a workshop on queering sex and how we think about it. Um, so if you're in Melbourne in you know late January, as well as I'm also going to be in Sydney uh, in late February doing some spicy things, so keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, I'm going to be hosting workshops on some of the lovely things we've been talking about today, and I'm so excited to get to meet people. So, yeah, social media. And, you know, in Melbourne you can come hang out with me if you want amazing I'll have all of the links in my show notes as well so people can find you easily um yeah but thank you so much for coming on and discussing everything that we have today it was so so interesting and definitely important to talk about oh thank you so much for having me absolutely anytime you want me to ramble on here I will absolutely do so Now, Talison and I have also recorded another episode that's coming out next week. We talk about kinks and fetishes, and we specifically talk about strangulation and choking. It is becoming so much more prevalent and almost being seen as an aspect of vanilla sex, but it's actually so dangerous. So, Talison and I discuss what it is, how to do it more safely, and just all the implications around this kink slash fetish becoming more popular so if that is something you're interested in please tune in to next week's episode as always shaggers please reach out with any comments questions or stories either through my instagram at that's orgasmic or my email emilyduncan at that's please leave a review as i'd love to know what you're thinking and subscribe on whatever platform you used to listen to this podcast so thank you shaggers and i'll see you next week <gasps> Oh! <gasps>